There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. There are, it may be, many, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. That word signification can be interpreted as purpose. You may be seated. Also, in conjunction with that, we'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. It says, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when you were, we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive, the word quickened, is an old English word that is referring to the word make alive. Hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ by grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit in together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, I read to you out of 1 Corinthians, Paul speaking, and he was making a reference to tongues in this chapter. He was making a point, but I'm going to take a little portion of that and apply it to what the Lord has given me for this evening. I want to read that verse again. It's verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification or without purpose. There are many voices that speak in this world today. There are voices of evil, and they have a purpose, a signification. They speak evil and do their best to stir strife trouble, division, 
There are other voices in the world. There's the voice of the Spirit of God. God is, what did John say? God's love. And so we know that the Spirit of God is speaking in love and then through mercy in spite of a wicked world, in spite of evil voices in the world. For God's voices also have purpose. Those purposes are found in the Word of God. But there's still yet a third voice in the world. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And I shall entitle this lesson tonight, Can You Hear Your Flesh? For the voice of the flesh also speaks in this world. It too has a purpose, a selfish purpose. And that voice can cause more harm than even the evil voices. If we can hear our fleshly desires and our fleshly voices speak to us, then we are too far away from the will of God. I'll say it again, it didn't seem to go over too well. If we can hear our fleshly desires speak to us, then we're too far away from the will of God. Jesus, when he prayed, he said, Not my will, but thine be done on earth as it is in heaven. It was a time and a place where the Lord went to pray. Put on the board Mark 14, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. 
and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed if it were possible the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. He saith unto Peter, Simon, why are you sleeping? And he told him, first of all, he took the whole bunch of the disciples a spiritual bunch. And he said, I want you to just stay right here. Sit right here. Well, that's what he told nine of them. You just sit right here. I'm going to pray. But wait. Peter, James, John. You come with me. They get on into the garden and he tells them to sit. But he tells them something else that he didn't tell the other nine. Be on your guard. The carnal voices start speaking when we let down our guard. It is our nature to be carnal. It is our nature to want to please the flesh. But if we're going to please God, we have to learn to have a new nature. He saves your soul, but that carnal nature you've got to work with because you're going to have to prove some things to the Lord. You can't expect to come to God's house or to hear what God would have to say unto you clearly if the voice of the flesh is speaking. What does the voice of the flesh say? It'll say things like, you're tired tonight. What about those bills that you got past due? How about that family trouble you've been dealing with? You got other things you need to be doing. You're behind on your work. The flesh speaking. Or maybe it just just says, just take your ease. Just be comfortable. Put it in cruise control. And the flesh speaks. And as long as you can hear your flesh talking, then you know you're out of reach of the voice of the Lord. 
He called those three men in. He said, now sit you here and watch. And he goes and a little forward and falls on the ground. Now, I have to be honest. If I'm in close proximity to Jesus and he tells me you need to be watching this and then he steps away and he falls on the ground, I think I'm going to be watching and listening to what he has to say. Jesus in his flesh begins to wrestle with the flesh. All things are possible unto thee, Father. Take away this cup. <coughs> the will of God was for him to drink of the cup of suffering. But his flesh was saying, it's possible for you to take it away if you just want to. I'm kind of hoping that you will. And while he's struggling, something begins to happen over among the inner circle, the three that were called out specifically from the other nine. The ones that were considered the spiritual ones, the ones that were close enough that the Lord handpicked them out from among the crowd and said, you come with me. I want you to see this up close and personal. And so he gets up from where he's praying. He goes over and he finds them. Simon, why sleepest thou? Could you not watch? One hour? Could you not observe just an hour? Watch ye and pray, lest you enter into temptation. That's the next thing that the voice of the flesh when it speaks, calls out to you. Things you normally wouldn't do, now you find yourself being drawn. It's like Paul talking about the two laws. The law of Christ, and then there's the law of sin and death. He said, I find that I'm doing things that I'd rather not do. And I find myself not doing the things that I would. And then he compares it to the old Roman custom where they would tie a dead body to the person that was an offender. The person that had slain that body, they'd tie the dead body to them and make them drag that body around until they went mad. Oh, wretched man that I am, who, who can deliver me from this body of death?
Who can deliver me from the voice of the flesh? Oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do good. But I find that I can't seem to do it. Why? The flesh is calling. Folks, if we're going to do the perfect will of God, we got to get a grip on our flesh. I'm not saying that you're bad people. You're normal people. Congratulations. But you've got a fleshly nature that's going to greet you every morning you come out of the bed. And before you can even have breakfast, it's already working. And it takes someone that says, I will not listen to my flesh. I will not cater to my desires. We read to you in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past with the lust of our flesh. Let's start at verse 2 and get a full picture. It says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom we also had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The NIV puts it something like this. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. I'll read that again in case you missed it. Paul talks about conversation. What conversation? Listening to the voice of the flesh. Conversation is actually translated as to behave or behavior. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. No, you don't have to go out and commit adultery or murder or any of those horrible sins to be carnal. Just do nothing. You can come to church. You can be faithful in everything the church needs. You can shout on Sunday. Be blessed on Wednesday and still be carnal. How can I be carnal? By thinking of myself. 
instead of others. You know, that's the base nature of carnality is thinking of yourself instead of others. And the way of the Lord is totally opposite of that. We're thinking of souls. We're thinking of people that need God. We're thinking of our brother and our sister. We're thinking of the kingdom of righteousness, things that are beyond us, that will exceed even our lifespan. It will go beyond our lifespan. This congregation exceeds the lifespan of the original founders. by about three or four generations. She's nearing her hundredth year. When we hear our flesh, we gratify the cravings of our sinful nature. Jesus in the garden, we were talking he says unto Peter, he says, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter to temptation. And then he says, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Why is the flesh weak? Because the flesh constantly needs fed. And I'm not just talking about your three square meals a day. I'm talking about the nature the sinful nature has to be fed. It gets to talking to you. It's getting hungry. Your flesh is getting hungry. Your carnal nature is getting hungry. And it starts talking to you. It starts speaking to you. It'll be all right. You don't have to pray that hard. You don't have to pray that long. My goodness, you don't have time to read the Bible right now. You don't have time to get in the word of the Lord. You don't have time. There's, you don't really need to fast this week. Say, well, Brother Motes, does fasting really work? Ever since I asked the ministers to fast, I've seen the devil rear his nasty, ugly head. That's proof to me it causes problems in the devil's world. But the flesh doesn't want anything like that. In fact, we want everything to just make sense. If I can put it in my little box, then I can control it. I can determine where it's going to go and what it's going to do. God's not going to be put in no box. That's why that logic and reasoning goes against faith. You ever prayed for somebody and while you're praying for them, your old flesh is saying that ain't going to happen. Oh, you might not admit it openly today, but you guarantee you it's happened to you. Ain't going to happen. You know what that is? That's your flesh talking to you. If you can hear your flesh, you're further away from the will of God. Watch ye and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit is willing. The Spirit is ready is the actual words. The Spirit is ready. Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. 
First epistle of John. Chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about the world system, the base nature of man. And he goes on to define that for all that is in the world. What's that? The lust of the flesh. Lust can be defined as a desire. A desire, a voice that speaks. You want to know who's really in charge, you or your flesh? Try fasting. First meal, you might can skate by, maybe even the second one, but by the third time, you can hear it talk loud and clear. You get past the first day, some of the foods that you kind of turn your nose up at sounded mighty good. Broccoli sounding good. Huh? Well, Charles, what is it, the thing that you don't ever want your wife to cook for you? About that third day. You might have to hold your nose, but after a while... You're not picky anymore. Because your flesh is talking to you. We come to God's house and we spend a lot of time and money here. And we commit ourselves to a lot of things under this roof. But yet we allow our flesh to rob us of the perfect will of God simply because we are too lazy to fight against it. It's a daily struggle. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you slip. That's what the altars are for. But the bottom line is that we're striving. We've got to keep striving. If you didn't measure up yesterday, or maybe you didn't measure up today, go to the altar, say, God, let's wipe this clean. My heart's towards you, God. Tomorrow I'm making a difference. I refuse to listen to the voice of the flesh. I, I can't, I, every time I listen to the flesh, I get myself in trouble. God, I've got to walk with you. I've got to do your divine will. I've got to do what you've called me to do, Lord. And I can't do it listening to two voices. It's going to be one voice or it will be the other. I, I've got, there's many voices that are in the world, but all of them have purpose. 
Romans chapter 8. It would do you good to study Romans chapter 8. And I'm not talking about just skim over it on a, on a, a morning sometime over coffee. That ain't what I'm talking about. How do you study the Word? Well, I see how many chapters I can rack up. If I can get a little understanding out of it, fine. If not, well, you know, I try. Reckon how that would work, Sister Benita, if you tried that when it comes time for the state test for the nursing board. Well, I'm just going to kind of peruse over the rules here and just kind of give a good glance, pick out the parts that make the most sense, and we'll just hope for the best. Would that be what you would qualify as studying for the nursing board exam? It's been proven that you're going to remember more when you write it down. How many are writing your Bibles? It's not a sacrilege. God won't be mad at you if you write in the Bible. When you read a scripture and it jumps out at you, and I got to find me a pen somewhere. I'm going to underline that, or I might, if I, I like Bibles with margin. They ain't got no margin in them. It ain't the will of God. Over there in the margin, I'll write it real best I can and come back later. So, no, I hope I can read that. I'll never forget the first time I read, I, I saw Brother Charles Mahaney's Bible. Again, that name doesn't ring any bells to some of you folks that have not been in church long or what have you. Brother Charles Mahaney was a, an evangelist worldwide and uh, preached many crusades around the nation and uh, preached in some of the largest churches in our fellowship at that time. He died in 2006, and I knew him all my life. He had the most powerful delivery. I need to bring some messages that he's preached and just let you hear them, and it just blow your mind. When it come to preaching to sinners, that man could get sinners in the altar when nobody else could. He had such a delivery. He had such a powerful altar call. Just blow your mind. And I'll never forget the first time I looked at his Bible. There was, of course, he was stubborn, didn't want to buy glasses. And so his words about that big, written across the front of that thing, all the way across. You couldn't hardly read the other part. But he, he had that thing, he had written notes across that thing to where, you know, it was difficult to read the original text in there. But he knew. Because it got in there. You want something in your heart? Write it down. 
get a get the book of Romans and read chapter eight in in its entirety and and try to understand what he's talking about here. Romans chapter eight verse one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Do you know that God doesn't condemn? He convicts. The devil condemns. Condemnation says you'll never change. You are what you are, and you'll never change. And when a sinner comes in, he hears two voices. Yea, sometimes the third voice, the flesh. But there are this, the voice of the enemy, condemnation. You ain't no need you going up there to pray. Uh, all the things that you've done, you made a fool out of yourself. You've gone against God so many times, you, ain't no way God's even want to talk to you. That's condemnation. But yet the Spirit of God will begin to reach toward them with conviction, saying, come on, I know what you've done, but I can help you. I can help you. Lo, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my, I am meek and lowly. My, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. But let's pause here a minute. We tend to, we tend to throw that off on the center. But let's look at it me and you tonight. If you're listening to the voice of the flesh, there is room for condemnation because you're not in Christ Jesus. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will and it shall be done. But what about if you're not in him? Oh, well, I read the word every day. I don't mean nothing. You can read the word that never get in. I've told this before. A man came to me in Batson said, you know, I read, the, I read the Bible through about every 90 days. One of my biggest church troublemakers. He gave me more trouble than everybody ever one of them. But, oh, he had the Bible down, Pat. No, he didn't. He had the words, but he didn't have the understanding. No extra charge for that. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. If you don't say amen, I'm going to be here all night, folks. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned the sin in the flesh, our perfect example. He lived in that same flesh. That same flesh spoke to him. I showed it to you in the garden of Gethsemane. It spoke to him. It's possible to cut to pass. I know it's possible. It was the flesh speaking. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what does it mean when it says walk after something? That means it's something that is daily, 
something that is a habit-forming thing, something that is happening again and again and again. When I'm walking in the flesh, that means that I'm repeatedly over and over again. Well, how did, how did the NIV put that out of Ephesians? Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. But wait a minute, I'm apostolic. Well, you know, just because you go to the barn don't make you a chicken. Just because you call yourself apostolic don't make you apostolic. Oh, Lord. I got to wake you up somehow. Y'all getting too quiet on me. You get quiet, I know that I'm really stretching it. Praise God. For they that are after the flesh do. I'm listening to the voice of the flesh. It'll talk to you in soft, comfortable tones. It's so much easier to do what the flesh wants because it doesn't require any kind of effort. But oh, to see the things of God accomplished. Folks, we got to get past the flesh. We got to tune out the flesh. We got to tune it out. I said, I'm tired of listening to that junk. It ain't got me anywhere. All I've got is just a so-so religion. I, I, I don't want just a, a little bit of feel good with God, but I want to walk in the depths of the Spirit of God with Him. I want to see the power and the glory and the demonstration and all the things that I, that my soul desires. I, I got to see that happen, but I, I, can't, I can't see it happen as long as I'm listening to my flesh talk to me every day. You got to shake that stuff off. You have to make a decision. God's not going to make it for you. It's got to happen between your ears. You have to make up your mind. I'm not walking after the flesh today. I can't, I can't worry about tomorrow, but today, I can't change yesterday. It's already closed. But today, I can make up my mind. I'm walking in the Spirit today. And the only way I can walk in the Spirit is if I mind the things of the Spirit, if I listen to the words of the Spirit. How am I going to listen when the flesh is constantly rattling something to me? You ever tried to talk to people at one time? How about it, mamas? Husband's there and he's got something he needs to talk to you about. And here comes little Johnny. And little Johnny wants to yak and yak and carry on, tattle on so on and so forth. And you're trying to take care of this little problem and this problem over here. And all you get is confusion. And 
the Spirit of God is speaking, and your flesh is speaking, it's confusion. God's not the author of confusion, so you know what God does? You might say God gets lockjaw. He shuts his mouth, says, fine. If the flesh is more important to you, then you go right ahead. You'll need me sooner or later. But just calling on God when it's needful for you to call upon him is living just barely enough to fill the Holy Ghost. That's that shallow water. So all the time some folks call on God when they have a need. Why don't you call on God because you desire to follow after him and see the workings of the Spirit of God and be transformed. Oh, Jesus. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit mind the things of the Spirit. It doesn't say mind twice, but it's implied. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Somebody said, well, that's an obvious choice. That's easy to choose, harder to do. Because it takes grit. Down here in Texas, they call that guts. Up north, they call it intestinal fortitude. Whatever it is, you've got to get a backbone like a saw log. Now, I know there's a few stubborn folks around here. I've run across a time or two, some of you that might be hard-headed. I don't think it runs in the Wells family at all. I, 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 I'm not sure I've ever seen it there. <laughs> Ain't the Moats family either. How come we can't use that for the right purpose? It's all right. I've had all I'm going to stand to you, flesh. Shut your mouth. Oh, my God. Because the carnal mind is enmity. What's enmity? Hatred. The carnal mind is hatred against God. Every time you listen to your flesh. Excuse me, I didn't write it. What did he say again? Carnal mind is what? Hatred against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. It will not listen to the voice of God. The flesh, your flesh, will never listen to the voice of God. You got to make up your mind to listen to God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. In other words, there'll never come a day where it ever changes either. So they that are in the flesh might not please God. Oh, they got a 10% chance of pleasing God. 
there's a possibility they could please God. How's that again? Can't please him. Oh. So all of my hallelujahs and my offering and tithing given and my faithfulness to the house of the Lord don't really impress God to a degree. But sacrifice without obedience. That's two things that God requires of us. It's actually faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. We believe him, but we also obey him. And our flesh don't ever want to obey God. Romans, he says, never will line up. Never will. There won't ever come a day you say, you know what, I think my... I think I got this figured out. My flesh is going to do what God wants to do. Uh Uh-uh, not on your life. But you're not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. And if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's one of God's extras. Huh? He's still the bride of Christ. But wait a minute. I believed on Christ Jesus, my Lord, and I shall be saved. <clears throat> if belief is all it was, I've said it before, I'll say it again. We'd have a saved devil on our hands because he believes in one God and trembles. There was actually three gods, which there's not. I believe the devil would have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. There's that old-fashioned word again, quicken, make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the flesh, and many of those that listen to the voice of the flesh, many as are led by what? The Spirit of God. Now they are the Sons of God, do you not understand the power and the significance of what he just said? So what do you mean, Brother Motes? The power of sonship is the power of submission to God. Jesus was called the Son of God. We understand that's the flesh of God, but we also know that it was a signification of an example of submission for us to follow. He's the capital S-O-N, the only son. We are the lowercase S-O-Ns, sons of God. 
Meaning that we are to be submitted to the Spirit of God. The only way to be led by the Spirit is to submit to the Spirit of God. I can't submit to the flesh and the Spirit at the same time. You ever heard somebody say, well, they can't walk and chew bubblegum at the same time? You can't listen to the voice of the flesh and the voice of the Spirit at the same time. Well, I'm losing you. I see that. How many want to go home? Yeah, I didn't think you'd want to raise your hand. Let's let's try to finish up here. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not. You won't be listening to your flesh. If you're listening to your flesh, you're too far from the will of God. You're not walking in the Spirit. You can't have it both ways, folks. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't have to worry about the flesh as long as you're walking in the Spirit. How do I walk in the Spirit? Submission. If you're led by the Spirit of God, what did he say over in Romans? He gave you the power to become the sons of God. He gave you power of submission. Verse 17, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. It's like a tug of war. Flesh is lusting against the will of the spirit. What God wants, your flesh don't want. Prove me wrong. Pull out the Bible just before going to bed. You either get sleepy or you'll remember all kind of stuff that you've been having trouble remembering. Why? Your flesh is talking to you. Can you hear your flesh? The spirit, the flesh lusheth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. This is why you have trouble praying more. This is why you have trouble reading the word of the Lord more. This is why you have trouble fasting and doing the things that you should do. Brother Justin... It ain't Sister Misty's fault if you don't do what you're supposed to do. 
And it's so easy to blame somebody else. They call that where I come from, passing the buck. Harry S. Truman, he had a little sign on his desk. The buck stops here. Don't pass the buck. Don't blame somebody else for your misgivings. Well, you know, if so-and-so was a little better, then I'd do a little better. Oh, really? Chances are you wouldn't. Remember Adam and Eve? Perfect environment. No sin. And they still fell. How dumb is that? Say, well, that's pretty dumb. Yeah, we've done some pretty dumb stuff too. By listening to our flesh. Trying to hurry. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which of these? Big, nice, long laundry list. All of the things that make you feel warm and fuzzy all over. Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. That can be dirty minds, by the way. Well, I'm just going to meddle right here. I've made an observation in my few short years on this earth. Now, don't judge me until you hear the whole thing. When I pull up into somebody's yard and it looks like the Houston County dump has been moved to their front yard. I'm not talking about clutter that comes from time to time. I'm talking about long-range clutter. Somebody's already saying, oh, my God, I hope he don't come to my yard. But then I go in their house. And the house is never clean. Now, again, not working mothers here. I'm not throwing off on you ladies. You get to a point sometimes the dishes do pile up. I understand that. That's not where I'm referring to. The laundry piles up from time. I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about filth. When I see somebody's house, it's filthy. And I see that their yard is continually filthy. Then I realize that their mind probably is. Because it tends to work that way. Just like what you say comes out of the mouth. Then what you are also bleeds out from what you are. And usually the next step after the filthy house and the filthy yard is a dirty body. 
extra charge for that. Let me go along here and get done. I can tell I'm hitting deep waters. Praise the Lord. Amen. Other works of the flesh are manifest. There they are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is filthy thinking. Unusual sexual desires is one translation. Idolatry. Say, well, I'm no believing in worship. I don't have no idols in my house. What about football Sunday? NFL. It amazes me how that lately they can get out and shame our country, take a knee, and everybody just don't worry about it, just go right on worshiping their idol because it's idol worship. No extra charge for that either. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why I avoid worldly sports. You get involved in that. It's part of the world. It's a spirit goes with that. So, well, I'm just going to enjoy the game. Well, you go to football, you better give some goggles for your husband. Or some kind of blinders. Because those girls going to come out in those skirts at And they don't just stand there either. <laughs> oh, let me get on with this lesson tonight. I'm starting to wander, I can tell. Let's stay on course here. Let's finish this up. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft. You don't have to be going in and practicing a bunch of magic spells. Just be rebellious against your pastor. You're in the same territory. Oh, what's rebellion? Talking bad about the pastor. You got you got a right to your opinion. Take that to Jesus. If it's different than the pastor, take it to the Lord. Don't take it to somebody else. Is in your stern strife. Well, I just talked to my my spouse about it. Well, you're stirring strife with your spouse. Is this not simple enough? Do I need to break it down? Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's amazing the excuses folks come up with. And they do it for years and years and years. I've seen folks serve God longer than I've been alive doing this very stuff that I'm preaching about. And they think they're okay. I'm going to make it to heaven. Hope you do. Oh, hallelujah. Hatred. Variance. Somebody said, well, variance. Well, what does that mean? Contention, debate, strife. You ever run into somebody, all they want to do is argue? Leave them alone. That's the spirit of variance. It's in the book. It's the spirit of variance. You want that rubbing off on you? I don't want to have that junk on my spirit. I don't want to be guilty of stirring strife. Variance. Emulations. What is emulations? Jealousy. Mm-hmm. Cruel as the grave. 
wrath, strife, seditions. What are seditions? Divisions. If we have unity, we'll have a move of God. We'll have revival. But if we have strife, someone trying to always divide things up. You know, some churches, and I'll just put this in here for what it's worth. Some folks, some churches have got too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Everybody wants to be in charge. Everybody wants it like Burger King, have your own way. Sorry. It can't be that way. When it gets quiet, either you're getting tired or I'm hitting something, one of the two. Or maybe you're just listening. I'll take it that way. Praise God. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. What's revelings? Party goer. Party time. Good time, Charlie. That's you, Brother Charles. Good time, Charlie. No, not really. Better be some early parties, huh? Y'all party as long as you want, as long as you leave by 8. P.M. Boy, that describes today. A lot of folks live, they live for Friday so they can party from Friday to Sunday night. Get sobered up for Monday's work. But then I like what he put in here. Oh, I can tell he's an apostolic preacher because he added something right here that just really, just really is awesome. Just a, just a one-size-fits-all. You ever got one of those gifts, one-size-fits-most? Look at me. It don't fit all. Yeah, I can see you got my drift. But Paul says, and such like. In other words, if it smacks like it, if it looks like it, if it talks like it, you know if it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, smells like a duck, acts like a duck, it's kin to a duck at least. You might not can put a specific word to it, but it falls under these categories. If it even smacks of it, if it even resembles it, you better leave them alone because you're listening to the flesh. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall inherit the kingdom of God. How's that read again? Y'all, anybody listening to me? Huh? How's it read again? They do these things, they what? Look at the list. It's right there. And chances are, we've been guilty of some of those. Oh, Jesus. Let me land this plane. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, 
peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is there's no law. That list, compare that list to the list I just gave you. The first list is the list of the flesh. Second list is the list of the spirit. Now, how do you line up? You ain't turned my mic off, have you, Sister Cariana? No, I don't think so. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. I'll read that verse again in closing. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. What's crucified mean? Put to death. Sounds like mortify to me. So that means we're doing like Jesus did. We're putting, we're nailing that thing down. You know what? Your flesh tries to wiggle free. You got to nail her down every day. And say, oh boy, Richard Motes, you, you're not going, no, you're not. I'm not listening to you. I'm nailing you down. You're going to die today, and then to come tomorrow, you get to die again. Say, well, that gets, that gets old. So does missing God's will. Which would you prefer? Oh, hallelujah. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now I'm going to take that verse, and I'm going to reread the NIV version of Ephesians 2.3, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. When you listen to the flesh, when you have, and Paul put it this way, conversations in the past, that's behavior. Well, those conversations can also be with the voice of the flesh. You ever had conversations with your flesh? I'm closing my Bible, okay? Don't get nervous. You ever had conversations with your flesh? Your flesh says, you got too much to do today. You don't need, you don't need to be spending all that time. Do it tomorrow. Oh, that's a favorite, tomorrow. Do it the next day. You know what I'm about to come tomorrow. Now, I'll, man, I'll tell you what. I'm going to do wonders and thunders, and I'm going to eat rotten cucumbers. That comes tomorrow. But today I'll be a louse, a spiritual louse. I'm going to listen to my flesh today. <clears throat> oh. Can you hear your flesh? What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians? There are many voices in this world. But there's none of them without purpose. They all got a purpose. When the Spirit of God speaks, it's with a purpose. But the flesh is going to try to reply. But you can't do that today. Tomorrow, you got too much to do today. I've discovered we find the time to do what we really, really want to do. 
Stand with us today.